just um, one more time. We'll stand. Sometimes we stay seated when we read. Sometimes we stand. But uh, today I feel like maybe we should stand. <laughs> Luke chapter 16. So today is our last teaching on certainties of life, certainties of life, assurances of our faith, certainties of life. And we've been reading Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31 for three Sundays. This will be the last Sunday we read it. Um, I hope that you have been reading it, studying it. I hope that you have really just enjoyed uh, the teaching aspect of it. And I hope that you would never look at these uh, verses the same again, these 12 verses the, uh, the same again. So uh, Luke chapter 16, we start at verse 19 through verse 31. We're talking about certainties of life, right, or assurances of our faith. We've had six points. We've been doing two points every Sunday, and, um, and today is our last two points. Let us read. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham. Have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, uh, between, uh, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, "Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to the place of torment." Abraham replied, "They have Moses and the prophets." Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word. I pray that it would land in our hearts today. I pray that our Sunday would change our Monday I pray that it would be an applicable word that would, that would come right on time and, and it, that it would be a compass for us in our time of decision-making, O oh Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Certainties of life. So here, over the last few weeks, I've been sharing and reminding the church that this is a parable that Jesus uh, used to teach the audience of that time with regard to a few things. Um, many see it as a depiction of future events after life. I, I don't think that that's what the parable is meant for. I think it's meant to teach us some uh, life certainties. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'm doing my karate moves up here. All right. Um, that's going to cause me to sweat. So um, if it lands on my head, don't laugh. <laughs> All right, refocus. So uh, it, is a, um, it is not, it doesn't seem that it's a depiction of exactly what life would be 
uh, or what the afterlife would be, right? Because there's some, there's some uh, occurrences there that, that we don't see being confirmed in Scripture. We don't see that being confirmed in Scripture. Uh, so, um, for instance, like their conversation between them, the big abyss between them, um, and even the mere fact that, that Lazarus gets there just because he was poor and the rich man gets to the place of torment because uh, he was not kind. So those are not reasons why we get to the different places in eternity. So we understand that Jesus was intentional in making sure that this parable got into the scriptures for the audience of that time and for us as well. So over the last three weeks, we've kind of tried to share, well, you know, what is it then that Jesus uh, is teaching us from this parable? And I have six points I wanted to share. We've shared four already. The first sermon, we shared how we treat each other matters. Uh, we talked about this, right? There is a teaching there that the rich man was not kind to Lazarus, and that's why they ended up in different places. And I shared with you how we treat each other has an eternal impact. And we talked about the Good Samaritan story and other Bible verses, verses to remind us that, that Jesus is teaching us how we treat others matters. And then two weeks ago, we also talked about two roads, two places, that scripture reminds us that there are two roads, that there are two doors, um, that, there are, that there is a separation at the end time of goats and sheep. And, and here we see in this story that there is a place of eternal punishment and also a place of uh, eternal salvation. So we talked about two roads. Last week, we shared two more certainties. One, we said God sees all things. And we talked about the omnipresence of God, that he sees all things. He saw the rich man as well as the poor man, right? He saw everything that unfolded. And we reminded the church that God is omnipresent, that he sees the past, the present. And he also sees the future. And he knows us in our emotions, or he sees us in our emotions. And he sees us in our high times and our low times because he is omnipresent. He's present in all times, all seasons, all emotions. So we, we can see that God is always present. And last week we mentioned that there is still time. There's still time. And where we get that point from, we got that point from because the, the rich man said to Abraham, go back and tell my brothers, get it right. In other words, they still have time. Get it right. The end time has not yet come. And, and I shared with the church the urgency of managing the time that God has given us well because we still have time. And the church says, if you want to hear those sermons, you can go back to our social media platforms, and those sermons are there. Today, we want to share two more points with you, and it'll be our last teaching on this parable. Um, we want to share two more points with you with regard to certainties of life. Certainties of life. The first one is our decisions have consequences. Our decisions have consequences. We see here that the rich man had regrets if he could have just done it differently. Jesus is letting the audience know of that time and letting us know today that our decisions here on earth have consequences. At times, what we do cannot be undone. There will be times when we cannot undo what we have done. We may want to, but we can't. It is a clear teaching here that our decisions have consequences. The rich man had regret for not being kind to Lazarus. If he could just go back and dip his finger and meet me here, I imagine in this parable, Jesus is reminding us bad decisions will take us to bad consequences. We know, we know that consequences are a part of life. 
If you don't file for your taxes, Uncle Sam will come after you. And the church says, right, April 15th, is that the deadline? Rick, is that the deadline? This year or is it the 18th, I think, this year? All right? Oh, Rick is in teen church. He's not here. Um, Okay, yeah, Uncle Sam will come after you if you don't file your taxes. If you create bad eating habits, it will eventually catch up to you. And some of us have to say amen. Some Some think, though, that we can just live life without consequences, right? But there's some things we just can't undo. One time I was at the barber shop uh, when I had a little more hair, and, um, and I was getting my hair cut, and I hear the boy next to me, the barber asking him, uh, you like it like this? And his response was, a little longer, please. And I was like, okay. How are you going to figure that one out? There's some things that we just can't undo. Some things we just can't undo. I have been in situations where I wish I could take them back. I have been in situations where I have said the wrong thing, and I wish I could take it back. I have been in situations when I've reacted the wrong way. I wish I could take those reactions back. I have overreacted at times, whether it be at home with my wife and my girls, whether it be in ministry, whether it be in the public. I've had reactions where I've sat in the car and the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart and told me, what if they walked into the church on Sunday and saw you preaching? What would they say about the kingdom? What would they say about the gospel? Those things that you wish that you could just take back, but it's done, and now you have to deal with the consequences. Now you have to deal with the consequences. Many have lost friends because of bad choices. They have lost jobs because of bad choices. They have lost opportunities because of bad choices. Decisions that they have made have taken them to a dark place. Our decisions have consequences. How many times do we, you tell our children, think about what you're going to do, because know that there's a consequence, right? Well, we need to live by that law ourselves. But there are some that think that they can live any way they want without no consequences. But how many know that, that God is faithful to his word? And Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Well, let us know that God cannot be mocked. Uh, Paul t- writes in Colossians chapter 3, says, Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. In other words, it is what it is. You do wrong, you, you sow wrong, you will reap wrong. You will reap punishment and hardship. Why? Because you've made bad decisions. Sometimes we may feel living in this world, a world where we see so much wickedness and we see so much sin and so much, and we're like, where is God? How come God doesn't punish them? You remember the story in the Bible where the disciples told Jesus, you want us to pray and ask God to send fire from heaven to consume them, right? Sometimes we feel that way, right? God, you know, where's the just? Uh, uh, come for them and, and, and uh, show them your power and show them your righteousness. We currently live in a time where grace is upon us, where there's sin, grace abounds. Scripture reminds us. 
Uh, but I want to let you know that God sees all things and he knows and his desire is for everyone to be saved. But there is a time when people will have to give account for the way they lived because every decision has consequences. There's a great psalm in the scripture. I've talked about it before, Psalm 73, Asaph. Uh, it's a great psalm, 73 Asaf. Asaf was a Levite, a choir director for contextual, to contextualize it. He was a worship leader of these times. Uh, he would be like a worship leader of these times. And he was a choir director for King David. And he starts off Psalm 73 saying, I almost slipped, I almost fell when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he's, talk, he's talking about, and then if you read like the first 11 verses of Psalm 73, he says things like, you know, they don't suffer no, 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 no sickness. They curse God with their mouths. They prosper financially. And he talks a whole bunch of things about the wicked. And he's saying, I'm looking at them and they're doing well. And the connotation there is, I'm struggling and they're doing well. And he says, I've almost slipped when I looked at the prosperity of the wicked. In fact, in fact, in verse 13, he says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. He's saying, I'm wasting my time doing the right thing. And sometimes we may be in the church and we're trying to do the right thing. We're giving our tithes. We're going to prayer service. We're active. And we're like, well, what's happening? When are things getting better? And sometimes there's a struggle within us. I'm doing the right thing. When is God going to bless me? He had this feeling. He's like, surely in vain I have kept my hands, my heart pure and, my, and kept my hands in innocence. In verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand this, uh, I was deeply troubled. He says, man, I, I couldn't comprehend why the wicked prosper and there's no consequence for them. In verse 17, he says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. He says, when I entered to the sanctuary of God, he's saying, God revealed to me their end. Their final destiny is what the NIV version says. God revealed to me their end. And then he says, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. So God was revealing to Asaph, don't be fooled. They may be living a certain way right now, and it seems that there's no consequence for their wickedness. But a day will come where Revelation says the judge is standing at the door, right? A day will come when everyone will have to give uh, uh, an answer for the way that they have lived. And there is consequence for those who have sown in the flesh. And the church says, and that I love that after Asaph has that revelation, he says these words, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. It's good. I want to let you know today, God is faithful. Don't be fooled. We will reap what we sow. If we sow in the flesh, we will reap in the flesh. But if we sow in the spirit, we will reap in the spirit. For every decision, every way of life has consequences. So we should try our best to guard ourselves from bad decisions. How many say amen? We should, we should try our best. 
guard ourselves from, uh, from bad decisions. And some may ask, well, how can I do that? How can I guard myself from bad decisions? Three things really quick that you can do. The first one is you could ask for wisdom. I love that James 1.5 says, if, anyone, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that verse. It is a life verse for Pastor Becky and I. We know we, in our morning prayers, our morning prayers, Lord, give us wisdom. I pray all the time, Father, give me wisdom to be a good husband and a good father and a good brother to my brothers and a good son to my parents and a good uncle to my nephews and nieces. Help me, Lord God, give me wisdom to be a good pastor in the church. Help me, God. And I pray, God, give me wisdom for this. And I believe, God, and I love that we could approach him. And he says he will give generously without finding fault. In other words, he won't judge you by your bad past decisions. But in your present circumstance, he'll give you wisdom for what you ask for. If you want to avoid bad decisions, your morning prayer should be, Lord, help me today by giving me wisdom for every decision that I need. And we believe that we, whatever we ask in the will of the Lord, the Bible says, whatever you ask in my name, in my name is God's will. Whatever you ask in his will, the Bible says that he will give it to us. How many know that it is in God's will that we make good decisions so we can come before him and say, Lord, give me wisdom for today. And he will answer that prayer. And the church says, how can we guard ourselves from bad decisions? That's for wisdom. Number two, seek counsel in decision times. Seek counsel in decisions when you are uncertain. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instructions that you may gain wisdom in the future. I'm so thankful for the people that I have around me every day. They're some of them are wiser than I am. And in decision times, man, what do you guys think? How, how can we handle this? What are your thoughts on this? And it's okay. We don't always have to have the answers. Pastor Becky and I, we have also mentors and people that we go to and people that we say, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on these things? And, and some of them are sitting in this, in this sanctuary with us. And, and that's okay because in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. And if we feel so prideful that we can't seek out wisdom, we'll find ourselves in a time of isolation and loneliness, and, and we'll find ourselves in consequences of bad decisions because we try to navigate the storm all by ourselves. But I want to encourage you. There is a wealth of wisdom in, in people sitting in these pews. Find mentors. Find people that can be close to you. Find people you can share a cup of coffee with. Find people that you can talk to and share. Let them speak into your lives. Let them encourage you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to that. Why? Because in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. And the church says. How else? Right? We said wisdom, seek counsel in decision making and be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Um, I love that Peter, Peter, First uh, of Peter chapter one, verse three says this. Second of Peter chapter one, verse three says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I don't know about you, but I hold on to that verse. 
that says, Lord, your Holy Spirit within me has given me everything I need for a godly life through my knowledge of you, Jesus Christ, who has called me, who has called our family, who has called. I hold on to that verse because it says that the Holy Spirit that is within each and every one of us will give us everything that we need for a godly life so we won't have to deal with bad consequences of bad decisions that we make. And the church says, be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life. When you feel that uncomfortableness, pause. It's the Holy Spirit knocking at your door telling you, think about this. If you got to think about it twice, think about it three times, you know what? There's something happening here. Let me take a pause. Why? The Holy Spirit is stirring something up within us because in life, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves dealing with consequences that will draw us to a place of hurt and pain and shame and isolation and loneliness. Uh, and the Lord wants to keep us from those things. And in this parable, Jesus is reminding us bad decisions will take us to, con to bad consequences. And the church says, so we're talking about certainties of life, certainties of life. Um, today we talked about our decisions in life have consequences. Our second, word, our second point for today is God's word always leads us to God's will. God's word always leads us to God's will. I love here that the rich man says this in verse 27. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father, to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced when if someone else rises from the dead. Here, Jesus is teaching us in this parable, the word of God is what will lead us all to a place of salvation and to, into his will. Today in age, people are looking for direction in all the wrong places. This rich man thought that his, brother would, his brothers would believe if they saw somebody resurrected from the dead. But Abraham tells them, no, it's only God's word that will change their life and bring direction to them. Only God's word. And the church says, Today and age, people look for direction in all the wrong places. This rich man was looking for it in some type of resurrected being, hoping that that would change his family. Today, people look for it in, in, in different places. Today, people look for faith in traditions. They look for God's word in traditions. They look for faith in traditions. Uh, but traditions change. Even church today looks a little different than it looked 10 years ago and 12 years ago. And if you walk in here thinking that, oh, church should look exactly the same, you, you would be disheartened because it looks different. Why? Because uh, faith is not found in tradition, but faith is found in the word of God. Right? So people look at traditions. Well, this is how my mother did it, and this is how my grandmother did it. So this is how we should do it too. Well, that may be okay. Traditions are not wrong, but we don't find faith in traditions. We don't find faith in traditions. People are looking for God's word and God's direction in so many different places. They look for, for faith in laws and legalism, you know, in rules. They find faith in rules. So if I dress this way, then I'm okay. And if, and if I act this way, then, I, then I'm okay. And, and if I look this way and if I say these things, they, they look for, for faith in laws. You know, 
if we look for faith in laws, we're going to be so disheartened when we can't keep up with all the laws. And we're going to feel disheartened because, man, I, I can't do it. I've said this story before. One time I was with my mom and, in Puerto Rico, and she saw somebody used to go to church, and the person approached her, and she said, and my mom said to the person, oh, so-and-so, I haven't seen you so long. And the person says, I, I, I don't fit in church. Church is not for me. All because in that church, you know, they encouraged ladies to wear skirts, and she was like, I, I don't fit in there. They, they had their faith based on, on, on rules. And, and you don't find faith in rules. You find faith in the word of God, right? There, there are people who look for faith in religion. They look for faith in religion. You know, I got a cross around my neck. I, 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 I'm looking for direction and, and faith in, in, in religion. So I got a cross. They, they walk in front of the building. I watch them sometimes, and they're like, oh, yeah. You know, they look for faith in, 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 uh, in, in religion, you know. I had an uncle that he would go to sleep with Psalm 91 open next to him for protection, right? Uh, you know, you look for faith in religion. I said, why are you doing that? Well, you know, he felt good. At nighttime, he says things like, I feel like there's like demons coming and they're choking me and they're sitting on my bed. I go, opening the book to Psalm 91 ain't going to help you. Not going to help you. There's something else that you're allowing in your lives, something else that you're allowing in your home that's, that's causing this to happen. There's something else that you're allowing in your home that's causing this to happen, right? But they think that we can find God's direction, God's provision, God's protection in religion. It's not found in religion. You know, people say, man, I go to church every Sunday. I, I give faithfully, you know, and they, they think they can find uh, faith in religion, you know? No, no, no. Um, Others look for faith in experiences. You know, they look for faith in dreams. I had a dream. I had a dream. And sometimes they, they tell you about their dreams. And man, I get scared. Whew. I mean, they look for faith in dreams, right? They look for faith in, uh, in, in, in different mystical things. If I can walk out of my house and I see a heart-shaped cloud, I know the Lord loves me. You know, they, they look for, for faith in experiences. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. The word of God. God's word is what saves us and brings us direction. God's word and only God's word. And uh, uh, the story of the parable, Jesus was telling Lazarus, what your brothers need to do is listen to the prophets, listen to the divine word of God for direction and salvation in their lives. There's a great story in Luke chapter 11 on one occasion. Jesus was teaching, and a woman was so impressed with Jesus' teaching, she said this to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, more than that, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. Jesus was telling her, yeah, Mary, she's blessed. But more than Mary being blessed, you can be blessed if you hear the word of God and you keep it. We are reminded of this. Be, Jesus being tempted in the desert, uh, he reminded us and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He reminded us that. Psalm 119, 105 reminds us, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Proverbs 35 tells us every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God's word. Don't look for God's will in traditions, in religions, in laws, in mystical things. No, God's word brings direction for us. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is a compass for us in a time when we live in a desert, in a storm, and we need direction. God's word is a clear, is clear direction for us. God's word speaks to us. It is the way that God speaks to his people. It is the dust says the Lord. At times we're just kind of like saying, oh, I wish that somebody would come up to me and lay hands on me and say, thus says the Lord. I want to tell you that the word of God is the thus says the Lord for us. Man, the Bible says those who put their trust in God's word will not be put to shame. It is the thus says the Lord for us. I want to encourage you this morning to know that God wants to speak to us every day through his word. Give us clear direction in every decision through his word. It is, God's teach, it is God's way of teaching us what is right. It is God's way of teaching us what is wrong. It is God's way of teaching us how to stay right and how to, and, and how to keep right. Uh, it's God's word for us. God teaches us through scripture everything that we need for life. What is our purpose? Where do we come from? Where is life after death? How do I get to heaven? Uh, why is this world full of evil? Why do I struggle to do good? We find those answers in God's word. And you know what I love about God's word? It's not only a theological leading us to God and the greatness of God, but it's also practical. You know, it teaches us how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. It teaches us how to have successful homes and families and marriages. It teaches us how to be good friends and how to be good parents. Uh, in God's word, we find everything that we need for life applicable for us today. So as I close up our, our teaching this morning, we're talking about certainties of life. Certainties of life. Um, God's word is what we need for direction. Can I encourage you to take out time daily to read God's word, to meditate on it, to study it, and to share it. Because as you share it, it becomes more and more alive to you. Uh, we must be a people of God's word. We must believe God's word, and we must live God's word. And there, we will find God's direction for our lives. And the church says, this is a certainty of life. It is found in God's word. I love that Jesus was teaching us in this parable. Hey, don't wait for the supernatural to be convinced. Go into his word, and in his word you will find everything that you need for life. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That is God's word for us. Perhaps there's someone here today who is struggling in their faith and you're struggling in your walk. Well, God's word gives us direction. It tells us direction is found in Jesus and only in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your faith and you're waiting for signs. You're waiting for signs. Take this as a sign this morning. The Lord is speaking to you and saying, trust him for what he wants to do in your life. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Not just you, 
but all that you love, all that is dear to you is found in Christ. And I finished with this. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So maybe you're here today as we conclude our teaching this morning and we're talking about certainties of life. Remember, our decisions have consequences. We ask the Lord to give us wisdom in everything that we're doing, wisdom in all that we're doing. We seek counsel. We uh, wait on the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And there he will meet us so that we can make good decisions and we won't find ourselves in a place of regret. I remind you this morning, a certainty of life. God's word always leads us to God's will. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're struggling in God's will. But what is God speaking into your heart this morning? It is the thus says the Lord. And the church says, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. Thank you, Lord. So we conclude our sermon series on certainties of life. How we treat others. Help me. How we treat others. There are two roads in. God sees all. There is still. Our decisions have. God's word always leads us to God's certainties of life. There's a great story uh, in the Bible that talks about the man that built his house upon the rock. And Jesus says the, the man who built his house upon the rock is the man that took the word of God and believed it. And when the great storms of life came, that man was able to withstand the storms of life. Why? He built his house upon the rock. And in that same story, Jesus says there was a man who built his house upon the sand not upon the rock. He did not listen to the word of God. He did not apply the word of God. And when the great storms came, the Bible says there was great ruin over his house. I want to encourage you today, certainties of life. I want to encourage you, assurances of our faith. If we apply them to our lives, if we let Sunday change our Mondays, we will be like the builder that builds his house upon the rock and come hell or high water. Come trials of life, we will be able to manage them and we will not experience great ruin because our lives have been built upon the word of God. And the church says, amen. As I close here today, perhaps there's someone here today that says, I need prayer. I'm, I'm dealing with some things in my life and, and the Lord is speaking to me through his word, through worship, uh, just I feel the stirring in my heart and I would like prayer as we sing this next song the altar is open love for you to come forward and our pastors will pray together with you if you're here and you don't know Jesus well today is the day of salvation today is the day that you can go home different the joy of the Lord will be your strength maybe you're here today and you're far thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon we pray it blesses and encourages your life.